Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Quadcast. My name is John McAlevey, and I'm so glad to have you back. For those of you newbies to the podcast, while it is mainly for and about folks like me who have had their lives affected by a spinal cord injury, it is really for anyone who just wants to be inspired. I sell it as a 30 to 45 minute session of OT and PT for the soul, and I truly believe it. Living with my SCI for what will be 29 years this coming August 19, I realize it is anything but a stroll in the park. However, having the opportunity to speak with, showcase, and above all, learn from, nothing is impossible as my guests prove from one episode to the next. Today's show is a big, bright, yellow, sharpie highlighter pen example of that, in fact. More on that shortly. First, a brief update on Johnny Mack, peer counseling coordinator at Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation in West Orange, New Jersey. I have two weeks under my belt, and so far, so good. The people that I work with are terrific. My boss, Jane Mitchell, has been so accommodating and so understanding that she has made the transition easy peasy. Thank you so much for everything, Jane. I must also give a shout out to my roommate, Adria D. Simone, Kessler's vocational resource facilitator. Those of you frequent flyers here on the podcast may recognize that name because back in July, she too was a guest here. I appreciate your not only putting up with me in your space, Adria, but for helping me with anything I need, from plugging in my laptop to helping adjust the stupid mask on my face for bathroom runs. And speaking of bathroom runs, they have taken me a bit longer now that I'm wearing big boy pants again. And by that, I mean slacks with zippers and buttons and belts. Oh my, three things that are no friends of folks whose arms, hands, and fingers, well, don't work well anymore. Never fear, I managed to muddle through with a smile on my face, even though it and so many other things about venturing out of the house in the first place is so frustratingly difficult. The human spirit, my friends, it is alive, well, and truly can carry you places you never thought you could go. And now for the task at hand. I first became aware of today's guest from a YouTube video. Jenna Shelfer and her husband Jason took a camera along with them on a trip to an alpaca farm, and by the end of the nearly eight-minute clip, I had learned a lot not only about alpacas, but about her and them. She has a warm smile, an infectious personality, and a chemistry with her husband that comes across immediately, so I decided to put her name in the Google, and I ultimately came across her website, www.janishelfer.com. It is a really cool and interactive website with links to all of her social media platforms. What is abundantly clear is that Jana is a very busy woman. Aside from the YouTube videos she and Jason shoot, she is a public speaker, podcaster of the Living Lucky podcast, where she helps you learn to live, laugh, and grasp every day, and one half of Fun Day, which is a daily morning show she hosts with Jason on Facebook. Think Regis and Kathy Lee, or Regis and Kelly, or Ryan and Kelly, for that matter, with a large cup of coffee, that is. What I haven't told you is that Jana does all of this from a wheelchair. The video pinned to her YouTube page called I Am Jana Shelfer is amazing and inspiring. 
It is a really well-edited piece showing all aspects of her life, from water skiing and transferring to her chair from a car, to myriads of funny clips from her fun day broadcast. All of this with excellent music and her narrating in the background, exactly who she is and what she's all about. In fact, here is how the video starts. Quote, Hi, I'm Jana. I think it's fair to say that life doesn't always turn out the way we plan it. 30 years ago, I was in a car accident that left me paralyzed from the chest down. I've definitely had my share of ups and downs, but ultimately, my life has been beautiful, end quote. Following this living lucky promo from the guest of honor herself, Jana joins me. And that, my friends, is next. I'm Jana Shelfer, and I am Living Lucky. Living Lucky is a mindset. It's when you believe in yourself, you believe in the people around you, you find gratitude in your circumstances, and you realize that the universe is working for you, through you, and by you. Tune in to my podcast, my YouTube channel, and daily at 9 o'clock on Clubhouse or my website at janashelfer.com and you too will start living lucky. And that is exactly how I feel right now. Lucky to have Jana Shelfer join me. Just a little background uh, for me. Um, like yourself, unfortunately, I had uh, a spinal cord injury. Mine is uh, was back in August of 1992. So I'm coming up on, I heard you say that you're 30 years in. I'm coming up on uh, 29. I had, a, I had a fall down a flight of steps in my house. I kind of don't remember walking up the stairs and I don't remember falling down. My doctors think I may have had an acute case of vertigo. Um, yeah. And I had, uh, I'm pretty high on the cord. I'm th- uh, C3-4. Uh, luckily, it was not a complete injury. So I can, I can still walk, although it's not pretty. Um, and uh, my biggest bear is that it really bruised the central part of my spinal cord, which I knew nothing about before I did all of this. Um, and I guess that is uh, responsible for uh, your upper body, your fine motor of arms, hands, and fingers. So they told me, they said, John, think of yourself as an upside down para. Your legs will work, but your arms and your upper body won't work. And, you know, they were pretty spot on way back when. So I really have- That is so interesting. In fact, I talked about you this morning on, we have coffee in the morning on on Facebook Live. I love that. And I, I actually brought that up. So like, if you were to go shake someone's hand- like, do you walk? I do. do. You walk? I can walk. I used to, and I used to really walk really well, Jenna. I've just had uh, throughout the this pandemic and the lockdown, and the fact that I'm not 24 years old anymore, it's really caught up with me. So I'm having a, I'm having a tough time getting around walking these days. Um, but yeah, if I were to go and shake somebody's hand, I can't tell you how many times people have like recoiled because I can yes, hardly get and like that a, was my question yeah. is how like do you do you use your foot or do you just not shake someone's hand? You know, I try and, yeah, I try to avoid the old handshake. I'll do like the knuckles like you see athletes do when somebody hits a home run, they'll they'll bump knuckles kind of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. I do that with uh, with the teams that I coach. I've been coaching basketball for 20 years now. It's funny. I tell the kids, here's your coach who not only cannot dribble a basketball, but he can't even hold a bloody basketball. But uh, I, I was an athlete growing up and I really enjoyed doing that. Um, and so um, that's what I do. I, I bump knuckles with everybody. What I usually like to do, Jana, is I like to begin at the beginning. 
And so, yeah, why don't you tell us where did you grow up and what were some things that you were involved with and interested in as a young person? I grew up in a small, small town, Belleville, Kansas. Mm. If I could click my heels, there's no place like home. Yeah, right. It was such a small town for me. I think I... I had two stoplights growing up and I recently went back home and and now there's zero stoplights. Mm-hmm. So it's even smaller now. <laughs> I I loved my childhood. I was a baton twirler. I did dance, gymnastics, anything in the performance field. I loved to sing, tell jokes. My dad was an athlete, so Having a a household of two sisters, he always wanted an athlete in the family. And so I I kind of filled that bill as well. Mm -hmm. I loved to play basketball. I loved softball. I loved to swim. And and life was good. Yeah. Sounds like you were just the typical American kid, right? Yes. And sports were important to you. Oh yeah, I loved being active. And like I said, I I danced, I took gymnastics. I in fact my parents drove me an hour each way just to take baton lessons. Mm. I was very competitive when it came to these sports. I was on an AAU basketball team that traveled all throughout the state of Kansas. It was it was a lifestyle. It was expected in my in my household. Yeah. And that's big time basketball there. I know I follow it quite well, mostly the college game. I'm not a big NBA guy, but boy, you start throwing around Kansas and Yeah, you can't grow up in Kansas and not like basketball. Right. Rock Chuck Jayhawk. That's it. Oh wow. We're gonna have to do a sports show one of these days, Jana. This yes. is cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah, hoops in, in Kansas is something else. Well, why don't We go from there. Why don't you tell us about the situation and the circumstances surrounding the day that changed the trajectory of your life? What do you sort of remember before and after your accident? I was, it was my last day of my freshman year of high school. That year was a huge year for me. I was the feature baton twirler for my band. And my band actually was was featured at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. And so I remember that year, I actually performed at the Air Force Academy at one of their football games. I Our basketball team had made it to state that year. And I actually played on the varsity team. Mm-hmm. Uh, life was good. Mm-hmm. Boys were calling me, asking me out. Hey, I hey. felt popular. I know, right? Yes. Uh, I felt popular. I was well-liked and I was smart. I It was a really, really good year for me. Maybe one of my best. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And now tell us... Tell us you're 15 years old. As you said, you're in middle school. You're going through puberty one day. And the next day, you're in a wheelchair trying to learn a completely new way of living. How was that, first of all, physically? And how was it more so mentally to process? It's tough. I'm going to be real. It's not easy. Mm. And I mean, there's physical challenges. Don't get me wrong. The first year, it almost felt like I was a new shiny toy. You know, I I was a cheerleader. 
So I remember after my accident, I showed up to high school and I was in my cheerleading uniform. And I was like, I'm going to be a cheerleader. There's, you know, there's nothing that's changed about me. And I remember actually that first football game being on the sidelines cheering and just remember, remembering feeling like every single set of eyes was looking right at me. And, and I just, I, I like those vivid memories are, they almost feel like yesterday, even though this was 31 years ago that all of this happened. So in some ways I feel like my identity, I saw myself as an able-bodied person Mm -hmm. and the way that I saw myself didn't quite catch up with the way the outside reactions to me, there was a delay there. Yeah. If that makes sense. So here I am in this wheelchair and, you know, physically I'm trying to get dressed and I'm trying to look cool and I'm trying to deal with doorways and transfers and, and dealing with all of the, the physical things that come with, with having paraplegia. And then at the, at the same time, I'm dealing with all of the, the cultural reactions. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden I no longer blend. I stand out. I may not stand up, but I stand out. Mm -hmm. That's for certain. And, and it, it felt like there was a, a little different reaction instead of, you know, the, the phone stopped ringing Mm -hmm. all of a sudden boys that really, really wanted to take me out and date me. There was, there was just a subtle difference in, in the way they communicated with me. Now that, that has nothing to do with them or me. It just was the situation that was happening. We were all young and trying to to deal sure you know i kind of jumped over the uh the whole deal and i I don't know if it's anything that you talk about but uh if you if you could and if you wanted to tell us about the circumstances of your accident yeah so it was actually the last day of my freshman year of high school and a, a group of us we were out at the lake uh swimming after school and we, you know, we were just hanging out and it was one of those things where my friend LaJean and I, we hopped in the car to go get some, some fresh clothes because we needed bathing suits and we needed, our clothes had gotten all muddy and yeah. we just, we needed some, some fresh clothes. And it was a rural road in, in the country of Kansas. And as we hopped in the car, we were just, having fun. We were young kids having fun Mm -hmm. after school one day. Mm -hmm. And we, what's so funny is we actually got lost (laughs) because we weren't, we weren't familiar with the country roads and we stopped at a, a nearby farmhouse. We actually asked for directions of where our friend Nicole's house was. We were like, we know she lives out here in the country (laughs) somewhere. And, and the, the nice lady said, oh yeah, she's the next house down about a mile. And we got chased by a dog. So I remember the last time I got, I actually walked, I was chased by this, this farm dog. Oh boy. And we hopped in the car and we're laughing. Yeah, we're laughing. We're like, oh my gosh, that was so scary. (laughs) And literally 
not too far down the road, we went over some railroad tracks that were very, very bumpy. It was a dirt road. And Lejean, the driver, fishtailed a little bit. I was in the passenger seat. And the it was just a, enough of an accident. Mm-hmm. It was a one-car accident, but enough of an accident to where my seat slid a little bit. It broke and my back twisted. And I I immediately felt like I had a rubber band around my chest. I felt like, you know, have you ever felt where you were sitting in class and you had had maybe sat on your leg for the entire hour and next thing you know, you get up to walk and you're like, oh my gosh, my leg's asleep. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's, I felt like I had this rubber band Mm -hmm. that had maybe been around my chest and it had just cut off the circulation Mm -hmm. and, and I just felt kind of numb. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one common theme anyone that I talk to about after having their injury. Uh, and I'm talking about I've had football players on and hockey players and 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 I myself, when I remember coming to at the bottom of my basement steps, there was no pain. It was just eerily, eerily quiet and just complete numbness. And and for mm-hmm. me it was head to toe. And yeah, that that numbness is is the thing. So that's what you felt at the time, huh? Yeah. And it's, it's very, it's very odd. And, and so my friend LaJean said, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go to this farmhouse and I'm going to just call for help. Yeah. And, you know, you stay here. And I, I just remember what's really odd is I remember specifically saying, oh my God, I hope I'm not paralyzed. And yeah. then even thinking, what does that even mean? Sure. Like I don't even I don't even know what that word really means. Sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Here's a stupid question. Did the dog find its way back to you while you were in the car? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, that pesky dog. Oh. oh, wow. Well, how about from there, Jenna? How important were family and friends to your recovery? I would say extremely important. I mean, I was 15 years old. And so I did my initial eight weeks at a hospital about an hour away from my hometown. And so to have fam or to have friends come and see me as often as they could, that was so, so important to me. And then after after those eight weeks, then I was flown out to Craig Hospital in Colorado. Okay. And I I literally spent my entire summer and part of my first, part of the first school year of the next following year um, in rehab. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was a, it was a long few months, you know, yeah. learning to get back into life again and learning how to, how to live. Sure. Sure. And, and and another thing, and especially for me, it was huge. I had no idea what occupational therapy was. I mean, all you hear about yeah. is physical therapy, right? And you watch all the TV shows and, right. you know, on the soap operas and, oh, so-and-so has been in a car wreck. And all anybody wants to know is, are they going to walk? Is so-and-so going to walk? Nobody ever wants to know whether, hey, are they going to be able to feed themselves or are they going to be able to get clothes on or button a shirt? Yes. So, right. Did you find that? Or when for you- me, 
Yes. Or for me, you know, all my friends were, we had all taken, uh, so in Kansas, because it's a rural community, you take driver's ed when you're 15 years old. So we had all taken driver's ed that year before. And so all my friends were driving and, you know, here I am in in rehab hospital. Mm. And so I'm like, oh, what's my occupational therapy? I get to learn to drive. Cool. Well, I'm in I'm in Colorado though. And I'm, you know, I've never seen a four lane or six lane highway. Like <laughs> I, I felt like I had all of a sudden jumped to the big time. Do you yes, know what I'm saying? Sure, <laughs> absolutely. Like, oh my gosh, I'm learning to drive in such a big city. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You went from the dirt roads to the big time. That's right. Oh, wow. But yeah, I, for me, the occupational therapy started early in the morning with mm-hmm trying to get dressed. Yeah. People don't don't understand that what do you mean you had to learn to get dressed? Well, it's not easy. It's it true. is not easy when you don't have balance. Right? To yeah, like I had to learn to even put on my makeup and mm-hmm. brush my hair because I'm a high para. Yeah. So just even having balance of of putting your hands above your head is sometimes not the easiest. Exactly. Oh, and I have I have zero. I don't have any of that stuff. And, you know, that's just the thing that, that people don't, they don't realize, you know, and you can't fault them because they don't know. And so, right. you, know, and, you know, the smallest things, uh, so people are like, well, your, your laugh changed hmm. and I was a singer, you know, so yeah. my, my singing voice changed and it, People don't understand when when you become a paraplegic, you it's hard to sneeze. Yeah, it's hard to sneeze because you don't have that that, yeah, that um, vital lung capacity. Diaphra- right? Yeah, yeah, you don't have that diaphragm yes. working for you. It's true, it's absolutely true. Well, how about now? Let's let's take it out of the rehab facility and tell us. I know you spoke earlier about your affinity for playing basketball. How did you get involved with the Paralympics? That That is awesome to me. Tell me about that story. My dad had always been a basketball coach, and he had always encouraged us to do sports. Once I did, you know, reintegrate back into my town, I think within that first year, it became very clear that I needed to maybe start finding some activities of where I can maybe meet some other people in wheelchairs. So that first summer after I had been a paraplegic for one year, I went to a sports camp. And once I started going to sports camps, I just became addicted. Mm -hmm. I loved everything. I was, I loved racing. I loved tennis. I loved basketball. I loved swimming. I loved it all. I loved wheelchair aerobics. I loved dancing. I loved just being, being yourself right? and yeah. moving yeah. and being myself. Yeah. Yes. I love doing things that I like to do. That's terrific. And, and that's what you should do. That's what anybody would be doing, whether they were able-bodied um, and now disabled. So I'm glad yeah. that you were able to get involved in that. So, so tell us. So do, once do, I, do, once yeah. I went to camp a mm-hmm. few times, then, then I, I got recruited by the university of Illinois to start going to camp there. And then I actually ended up going to college there. Okay. And the that fighting started, Illini. 
Yes, yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, Lou Henson, the Lou Do. Was he there when you were there? No, he wasn't. Okay. No. The, I, I went then. there. I graduated high school in 93. Okay. So it was Brad Hedrick was my coach. Okay. And anyway, it, it just, it was a really great program for me. It opened up a lot of doors, a lot of opportunities. Next thing you know, I'm not only playing wheelchair basketball, but I'm pretty good at it. And I wasn't, I wasn't the best, Mm -hmm. but I, I'm a pretty good team player. And yeah. yeah. And next thing you know, people like that. Yes. Yeah. And it was a, a way for me to travel mm-hmm. and to see the world. Uh, and next thing you know, what's so weird is I never envisioned myself to be a Paralympian, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but that's what ended up happening. Unbelievable. So it, it's very bizarre how sometimes doors shut, but then windows open and sometimes those windows provide even more sunshine. Yeah. And now where were they? It was 96 and 2004. Is that, were those the games that you were involved in? I did 96, 2000 and 2004. So I'm a three-time Paralympian. In 96, we won the bronze. In 2000, we came in fifth. And then in 2004, we won the gold. Wow. Well, I have certainly arrived. Now I have a Paralympian uh, medalist. Yeah. yeah. I had a, I've had a Tony Award winning actress join me and now a Paralympian. So yeah. uh, we are on the map. That's awesome. Where did yes. you travel to? Where were the Where were those three games? Well, so 96 was in Atlanta. Right. And 2000 was in Australia. Okay. 2004 was in Athens, Greece. Mm. But then I traveled to countries all in between those years. So, I mean, I went to Mexico, Brazil. I went all over Europe. I went to Japan. I mean, Indonesia. It, It was really phenomenal, all of the places that I got to go. Yeah. And how about wheelchair sports? Yeah. How about on a side note, um, I've spoken with some folks about uh, traveling with disabilities. How did you find that? I mean, did you travel much before you had your accident and how completely Mm -hmm. different was it uh, traveling as a wheelchair user? I did not travel at all before my accident. I was a small town sheltered girl. In Mm -hmm. fact, my first real plane ride was my plane ride to rehab. Oh, good grief. Oh, wow. Yeah. I wasn't a big traveler myself back in the day. But uh, so how did you find getting through airports and sitting on on the airplanes and long flights and, you know, um, Uh, all of that stuff? I found there was, I mean, there's always, I found it to have a lot of challenges, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you, but it was normal to me because I knew nothing different. Yeah. So that just was part of it. Mm -hmm. And I often traveled with two chairs. I traveled with my sports chair. I traveled with my everyday chair. I would put my luggage in my sports chair and I would wheel through the the airport. Yeah. Plus you're traveling with like athletes, right? I mean, you were all in the same boat. That was always a challenge when we would travel together as a team. Mm -hmm. Now, if I was traveling for tennis, that would be alone. But if I was traveling with basketball, then that would be as a team. And that there's, you know, there's more challenges when you travel with a 
team, but it can be fun. It can be really fun to, you know, for everyone to hop in the, the, caravan and then all of the wheelchairs have to go in the back and you only have one chair and everybody has to share it to go to the bathroom and you know it's it it can be really those times can be really bonding yeah no doubt i mean it could be either really depressing or you make the best of it right yeah (laughs) oh my gosh how many times do we have all that in our lives where you're like, I can't tell you how many times in a day where like I'll drop something or I'll have something in my hand and, and I'll just say to myself, you know, you can't make this up. You cannot right? make you this can't. up. Certain, you really can't. Yeah, it's, certain things that happen. It, real life is so much better than, than fiction. It certainly is. So how about now, tell us about Jason Shelfer. First of all, when did you guys Ooh. meet and how did... You know, your meeting changed both of your lives because your your chemistry on Fun Day and your YouTube videos is off the charts. Oh, thank you. We yeah. met in uh, right around 2015. It was right around the end of my wheelchair sports career, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or actually, did I say 2000? <laughs> Listen to me, 2004 was the end of my sports career. So we just celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. And we met, we met right around that time. So it was almost like the universe was saying, okay, Jana, this has been, this has been fun for you to travel and for you to experience all of these countries. But now it's time to, to move into that next phase of your life and and Jason not only came into my life, but that's when I started working on the radio. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like a transition into this whole, whole new phase. Yeah. That's amazing. It was the next, the next step you were taking. And I have to tell you, when I was rehabbing, um, I was at Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation. I don't know if you've heard of it. That's the big, uh, big hub here on the East Coast. And when I was there, I had two uh, two good friends who were married and one of them was recently married. One had been married for a while and it was so sad because they were high, you know, quads, they were in power chairs and their both of their spouses couldn't deal with it. They came a couple of times um, and they just couldn't, couldn't vision a life with this person any longer. And unfortunately they were both divorced. So I know that you know, dating with a disability is not easy. Um, marrying with a disability also is not easy. So h- how do you think you guys have been able to, you know, keep things so, together and, and, and as I said, be so together on screen? It's amazing, your chemistry. I, I've heard this story that you just described more times than not. Yeah. I feel like that's a really common script that you just described. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why I got so lucky. Yeah. I I think I told you I met Jason right as I was ending my basketball career and I had just started interning at a radio station here in Orlando, Florida. One thing about my radio career that not too many people know or they know now because I'm writing a book about it, but I did not mention that I had a disability during my radio career. And I was on the radio for 12 years. I never once, I never once mentioned my disability. Wow. So as Jason was getting to know me, 
my friend was the one responsible for setting us up. My friend said, hey, you know what? I know this girl, Jana Banana from the radio. (laughs) You should check her out. So Jason started listening and, you know, we kind of, he kind of became a fan and then we kind of started emailing Mm -hmm. and getting to know each other. Now, this was in 2004. So there wasn't social media at that time. So he still has no idea? Yeah, he, he... didn't know. Oh, now wow. it's not that I wasn't I I wasn't purposely keeping it a secret from him. It's just I I didn't mention it on the radio. Now once I started talking to him on the phone, mm-hmm. you know, I I told him a little more about me and about myself. But what is so ironic is that we just celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. And we did this challenge on our YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. The challenge was to recreate our first date. Oh, geez. So as we were doing this... Oh, I did see that. Yeah, I did see that. I realized that I had asked the waitress to hide my wheelchair. (laughs) And I find that that is so ironic that I did that. Mm -hmm. But it was it was just me wanting him to know get to know me first. Yes. Sitting in the booth. My personality first. Yeah. Yes. Get to know everything about me and then introduce my disability you know, next. Even though I mean he knew that I was I was disabled. It was just I wanted him to see me and get to know me. Sure. And so I, I'm not sure why I, why it works between the two of us. I, I will say that he is an exceptional person mm-hmm. and he is an exceptional man. Mm-hmm. And I also feel that I am grateful for my disability because I think one reason I attracted him in the first place was because of my paralysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting way to think of it. Really interesting way. And and the fact that, you know, after he found out just how uh, the extent of your injury and all that went along with it, that he didn't run in the opposite direction because, right? as, you know, we've and, talked about, and, yeah, some people yeah, do. Trust me, we've had those experiences mm-hmm. where, let's be real, mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> I am a paraplegic, right. so things happen, yeah. but you have to learn to laugh yeah. at yourself, be right. self-deprecating, yeah. and you have to realize that, hey, this makes life very, very fun. Yeah, and it, does. it makes an an, an adventure. Yeah. And if you weren't married to me, well, your life would be boring. Right. It would be so boring. Right. right? I mean, who uh, who goes out with somebody that just might as well have a, a bowel accident in the middle of uh, yes! Times Square like I did one time? Oh, my gosh. It's it's uh, uh, like the life is like a box of chocolates, right? You never know which one you're going to get. Uh, as far as Gump used to tell us. Oh, wow. Uh, well, how about Jenna, with oh. with all that you're doing social media wise now, 
This is mm-hmm. an interesting question. Is there any part of you that pushes so hard to be a role model for the disabled community? I've, I've spoken with Ali Stroker. I don't know if you know Ali. She's the first woman to ever wear, uh, win a Tony Award-winning actress that was a wheelchair user. And yeah. she embraces that trailblazing mole, uh, role for, for young actors and actresses with disabilities because there really were none for her to look up to. So do you sort yeah. of, uh, you know, kind of wear that badge of honor? I'll tell you what, I I haven't worn that badge of honor. That hasn't been the way that I see it. Mm-hmm. I try to just be me. Right. I try to live by example. Mm-hmm. So many times in my life, I feel that people want to ask me questions and they want me to represent everyone. Yeah. And I don't feel comfortable doing that because I think that every disability is different mm-hmm. and everyone that I meet has a different perspective on how to receive help or how to be asked help or or even different questions we get asked and how to have conversations with people with disabilities there there's so many yeah variables mm-hmm. and so many different subtleties nuances yeah i study communication I've been studying communication my entire life, but over the last six years, I stepped away from radio and I have really been trying to communicate with myself Mm -hmm. and my higher power. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to figure out what is my purpose on this earth? What is my mission And so I'm, I am asking those questions and I am stepping into who I am becoming. Mm -hmm. Because it's ever changing, right? Yes. But for me, I have decided the best way that I can be an example or a role model for anyone with a disability is by becoming my best self. Mm -hmm. And then once I become my best, I think it ripples out. It becomes contagious. So the more I believe in myself, the more I help and support the people around me, Mm -hmm. the more that I find gratitude in my circumstances, the more the universe starts to dance with me, through me, for me, by me. Yeah. That seems to be where I'm I'm arriving. And for me, I'm calling it living lucky. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my platform right now. I feel like the opportunities are starting to fall in my lap. I feel like I'm rising. I feel like my book is coming out. And I feel like the universe is is pushing me in that direction. Mm-hmm. But I want to I want to get there by leading by example. I don't want to label myself or say, no, I'm I'm the person. If they throw me the ball, I'm going to say, you know what? I know that I can handle it because I've been spending the last 46 years of my life practicing. So preparation is meeting opportunity and I'm ready. You're ready. Put me in, coach. 
That's right. I'm ready to play center field, right? Yes, that's that an, is right. That's an excellent way to look at it. And you're right because it's not a one size fits all when you have, um, you know, an accident like that. I mean, look at the two of us. You you have been in a chair um, and you have your challenges and I, you know, walk like Quasimodo and I have my challenges. But, um, you know, we're both pushing through and, and trying to uh, to show that there is life after this sort of a thing happens to you. I know uh, I just started working as a peer counseling coordinator at Kessler. And so I'm in charge of pairing folks who have been disabled for a number of years with newly injured people who, you know, all have that look. I mean, you remember that look of, you know, hey, can mm-hmm. somebody please get the license plate of the truck that just ran over my world? And so we're we're trying to pair them up together to, you know, just sort of let them know that, hey, you know, you can do this. Yeah, it stinks right now. It's really awful. And, and it's going to be like that in a lot of instances. But, you know, I'm a living, breathing example of, of how you can do this. And it's just a new way to skin a cat, as they like to say. Yes. And, and that's what I find. I find, you know, I'm I'm pursuing my what I want to do. And I find the more that I help other people. Mm. So I, I've really been finding that I have, I have this ability to help people find their confidence. So, so I've been trying to do some life coaching and helping people get in touch with that inner dream. And then, and then kind of being their almost modern day cheerleaders saying, you know what? You can do it. Yeah. You can go for it. Sure. You got this. Yeah. Go, go. If I and, can do it, and you just can, by, right? Yeah, just by being, just by being, it, it kind of, it kind of helps. It just, yeah. Well, turn the page a little bit here. Tell me about Fun Day. First of all, how did you guys come up with the idea? Um, yeah, and how do you, you know, shoot it? And lastly, is there anything that's off limits? Because you guys have your big old mugs of coffee <laughs> up here in Jersey. We call it coffee. Like we have dogs <laughs> and we walk our dog and we drink coffee. So I, I know you always have your big old mug of coffee. So tell me how the concept came about and how you shoot it. So this is me finding myself mm-hmm. and finding where I want to go. And and becoming again, real quickly, just so that you you kind of have my full story. Yeah. When I turned 38 years old, I was a radio personality at the top of my game yeah. here in Orlando, Florida. Jana Banana. Jana Banana. Happy go lucky. She's mm. positive. She'll make you laugh. <laughs> she can tell a good story. Yeah. All of a sudden, I started feeling inside. There's there was this voice that said, Jana, there's something bigger and better for you there's something bigger and better, go find it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to, to find it. I didn't want to listen to this voice because I thought that I had a great career and I thought that I had a great marriage and I thought that I was living in the perfect house. And from the outside, my life looked pretty good, but I had become complacent. And there was something about me that wanted to keep growing and, and so the more I ignored this voice, my body started to break down. 
Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, I started having joint pain and my bladder stopped working Oy. and I started having food allergies and it started becoming a full-time job, just going from doctor to doctor, trying to figure out what, what is happening to me? Is this, is this what it is to be in a wheelchair for 30 years? Yeah. Is this my, my future? What's happening? Well, nobody really had an answer for me. And, and so I went to my husband and I said, I'm having anxiety. I can't be around people. I can't sleep at night. I don't know what's going on. I think I'm having some sort of nervous breakdown or a midlife crisis. Yeah, all of the and above. So Jason said, well, you know what? Let's go on vacation. Mm-hmm. So we went on a bucket list vacation to Africa. Wow. And while we were on safari... Long story short, I had an encounter with an elephant mm. in the middle of the Serengeti. I was all by myself in a tent oh, and I woke up <laughs> and Jason had already gone out into the bush with our driver. Mm-hmm. I canceled because I wasn't feeling very well. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to sleep in and lay here on our dream vacation. I'm I'm too tired to go. <laughs> and I woke up and I was surrounded by probably 30, 35 elephants. Oh, my goodness gracious. Real big, huge ones? Huge elephants. Oh, my God. And I I came face to face with an elephant. And in that moment, it just felt like there was some sort of epiphany. presence. Yeah, there was an, epi- uh, an epiphany. You're right. There was some sort of connection mm-hmm. there. There was some sort of, you know what, Jana, there is something bigger and better and you need to go find it. Mm-hmm. And you're not getting any younger and now is the time. And so I, after that vacation, I hopped on a plane and I quit my job. And wow. I let go of a pretty good life in order to explore an extraordinary one. Mm -hmm. And over the last six years, I have gone through a deep, dark depression. I have worked through limiting beliefs that have stemmed from years and years of being a paraplegic Mm -hmm. (laughs) that have stemmed from becoming disabled at such a young age and maybe not really dealing with them sure. properly or being mature enough to deal with them at that age. Yep. And yep. It, it's just been a really, really introspection of all of these deep emotions mm-hmm. and trying to figure out, you know, what is my soul trying to say? What is my soul feeling? Why? Why am I you know, what, what is it that I need to become? Sure. Now, I think I told you at the beginning of this interview, I had been on the radio and I, I wasn't mentioning to people that I was disabled. Yeah. Yeah. So it was almost like I was only bringing forth a a third of myself. Right. Sure. (laughs) And now you were letting it all out. And in so many ways, that was such a gift. Mm-hmm. That was such a gift because up until that point, I had been saying the prayer, you know, I, dear God, I just want people to get to know me for me and not my disability. Yeah. And here I could be a, a personality on the radio and they had no idea that I was disabled. Mm-hmm. And that 
is such a gift. Mm-hmm. And now you're but, living your now you're living your best life, it sounds like. I know that yeah. you know, all you have to do is is log on to your website and whether it's public speaking or podcasting, fun day, YouTube videos, uh, you you have your hand into everything, my friend. And and well what would be yeah, what do you think is I, next? What is something is there anything that you and uh, Jason have on the back burner? Or I, I know you said you were writing a book. What's next for, for Janice Shelfer? We've been throwing a lot out there to see what sticks and what's fun Mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. And so now we're reeling it in and we're, we're deciding on who we want to become. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's really coming down to living lucky. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been in the doom loop of despair. Mm -hmm. And now I'm realizing that there's a formula to making your life go the other way mm-hmm. as well. It's all about how our thoughts become our reality. Yeah. And it you know, my whole life, my my father, who was the coach, has always said luck is the moment where preparation meets opportunity. Mm. Well, when you're living lucky, you're in line with your values and your divine source and you have put in the work and you are doing what you're passionate about and you have gratitude for all of the circumstances that you have faced and that resiliency that you have accumulated over the way. And all of a sudden you are living your life purpose. You are living lucky. Yeah. And how many people would, you know, when you think about it, you'd say, okay, here's a woman who is living life disabled. She's in a wheelchair and she can say that she's living lucky. So you know what? I got to button up my bootstraps and get on with my day because there's so many people out there that have it so much worse than I do. Right. Don't you think like that? Is that part of how it? many, how many times do you hear, Oh my gosh, you're such an inspiration. I thought my life was crap until I saw you. <laughs> right. I think, what are they really trying to say to me? Right. I know. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And now that uh, Living Lucky is on the upswing and you're, and you're helping folks out in that respect as a life coach, that is awesome. So, you know, usually, Jenna, I like to end my uh, interviews with one question that um, it was, I was waiting for a doctor's appointment and I just was sitting with a friend of mine in the hallway and there was a whole bunch of folks who were in wheelchairs and who were disabled. And I thought I was whispering it to my buddy, but uh, I guess I said it out loud. So everybody chimed in. So the question was, I said, Hey, Tommy, and I'll say to you, Jenna, if I could snap my fingers right now, which unfortunately physically I can't do because my hands don't work, but if I could and and snap them and I could make you able-bodied once again, what is the first thing that you would do? Oh, have you ever heard that one? Yeah, of course I've heard that one. Yeah. And, and I always answer that by saying, I always do it anyway in my mind. I'm always doing cartwheels in my mind. Mm. I'm always walking on the beach in my mind. I, I'm so grateful that I have such a, a vivid imagination and partly because of my paralysis is why my imagination has become so vivid. Yeah. But I, I think those, those two answers would have to be my first pick. I would be doing cartwheels mm-hmm. on a sandy beach. Oh, wouldn't that be great? 
Yes. Someday, someday. Yes, we'll all be yes, doing I those cartwheels. That's awesome. Yes. Well, Janice Shelfer. so nice. Thank you so much. For me too. And I want you to please tell, um, tell my audience how they can access all of your stuff on social media. What I know your website is uh, yes, com. It's all there. JanaShelfer.com. Thank you, guys. Awesome. And Janet, thank you so much for, for coming on with me. And uh, I will definitely keep watching Fun Day. I urge all my listeners to do so. Um, and uh, I, I, unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to meet Jason. Maybe down the road, we could do another one of these and catch up because um, he is the yin to your yang. You guys are terrific on the air. Your chemistry is great. As I said you, in my, you'll hear in my promo, uh, I said it's, um, for those who haven't seen it, it's Regis and Kathy Lee. It's uh, <laughs> it's Regis and Kelly and now Ryan and Kelly, but with a big old cup of coffee. So I uh, love it. Yeah, I so love it. Please tell him. Well, I hope that you will think about joining us on our Living Lucky podcast one day. I would love to. I've been I've been doing my share of interviewing, and and if anybody would want to speak with me, I would be more than happy to uh, to hop on. So maybe we could talk to uh, Camillo and across the, the the screen there from you yes. uh, over the glass, and maybe put something together in the future. That yes. would be great. Thank you so much. Awesome, Jenna. Have a great day. Okay, you too. Okay, bye. Bye. Remember, you can find the podcast on all of these fine hosts. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Podchaser, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Many thanks again to Jana Shelfer for appearing today. And remember, you can find all things Jana and Jason at www.janashelfer.com. And that will do it for the first episode of season number two of the Quadcast. Much appreciative to the great work of Chris Parapesco at Lime Studios TV in New York City. Thanks for producing the show, my friend. Until next time, I am John McAlevey, and I thank you for your time. I don't care.